evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A child protective services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence, with urgent assist by CPS Protect. You can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement, and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare consultants can help you. Visit cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL for 10% off your first year of urgent assist. This is available in all 50 states. Also, I have another announcement. Bradley's mother in Narcot School and passed away approximately five months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be then taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, at 5 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390 to please keep Bradley safe here in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. I have a brand new guest on all the way from Scotland. I'm very pleased to have Johnny McNeil on. He's an author of Gaslighting Gilligan, and he's written this book, The Paradigm Shift in the Meaning of Domestic Abuse and the Atlantic Bridge to 1984. We're going to talk about a lot of topics and how and why the book was written and what was behind writing the book. So I totally welcome you, Johnny. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so glad you're on and I love your accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I used to get that when I was traveling in the States. I, uh, I had that a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scotland is a very beautiful country. And every, every, when I was there, everybody was friendly. That's all I remember is beautiful, friendly, and, and and the the thistle flowers. I don't know if that's what they're called, but they're huge. I've never seen anything like it. Hi, thistles. Hi, um, and 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 yes, we are very friendly. Tell 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 you upset is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you wrote Gaslighting Gilligan, what what made you want to write that write that book? Right. Well. Um... Through 2015, um, I'd actually been in an abusive relationship. I didn't realize that until I'd actually went for counseling mm. um, to realize and understand it was an abusive relationship. Um, and I'd come over and got through the worst of that. And in April, uh, around about April 2016, I began writing Gaslighting Gilling and I had the title and I was going to do it under a pseudonym. And... Um, and just incorporate examples of personal experience of gaslighting because I'd only just come, you know, become familiar with that word um, when I was researching abusive behaviours and relationships. Um, and so what I did was, as I said, began writing Gaslighting Gilligan. And um, that was in my hometown, or what is now my hometown in the Highlands in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And then essentially... 
um, I I was so impressed by the counselling process um, that I briefly moved back down to the, what we call the central belts, the, the area between Edinburgh and Glasgow, mm -hmm. um, because I was going to a university in Glasgow um, and to a college uh, to learn uh, counselling, basically, because I was so, you know, uh, as I say, impressed by the process and what it did for me. At the same time, I was writing, researching domestic abuse Mm -hmm. um, because I knew full well from research that at that, you know, even at that time that um, a third, a third of actual reported victims of domestic abuse are men. But mm -hmm. yet that wasn't being reflected in media. Mm. Um, couldn't really obviously make sense of why that was the case. Didn't really have a clue at the time. And then the most bizarre thing happened. So I'm writing Gaslight and Gilligan based on real events that I've experienced with 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 with, a, with well, part two, part three partners, mm -hmm. um, uh, bosses, work colleagues. Oh yes, uh, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, this is so prevalent uh, interwoven into our lives, and we just didn't really understand how and why. Mm -hmm. um, and as I and and this is this is uh is pretty out there. So. Um, I was online, I was looking at my phone, and in the background, uh, and this is on the first page of the book, um, as like an intro, part of an intro, um, I had a show, it's called, it's on the BBC, and it's called Victoria Derbyshire, mm -hmm. um, and I was half listening to it, I think, and I'm half reading what, what, I, what I was reading online, and she uttered the word pathetic. And it was the way, the intonation and the meaning behind it. And I swear, I can only call it what I would describe as TV, TV PTSD, because mm. it knocked me sideways for a good 8, 10, 12 seconds or so. And I couldn't work out why. I was dumbfounded. And I thought, well, that shouldn't happen. So that was the 12th of September, 2016. Um, I then began following, uh, to see, you know, just, just being following narratives and principally and initially the, you know, the domestic abuse narrative. And that was the format for the Victoria Derbyshire show. She was, her, her show was loaded with this stuff, right? And it was always basically men abusing women, women. Um, and I tracked that. And by the kind of November, December, I came to understand that there was a pattern, a distinct pattern of demonizing and dehumanizing men mm -hmm. um, a, 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 as a class. And I then began monitoring other narratives as well, ones that would um, filter in to channel these behaviors. And through that, I developed the dark, what I called. Um, well, the narcissist state, hate state, and my, my dark triad model for global fascism. Um, and what the dark triad is, is in, in the psychiatric profession, it's actually a, a, a legitimate term and it's on right, um, is those who possess the traits of uh, Machiavellianism, mm -hmm. narcissism, and psychopathy are the full house, the full, they are the full dark triad. Now, the problem that we have is these dark triad characters, the accomplished ones, are so convincing 
that to outwardly they appear to everybody else as being you know saintly and upstanding members of the community and all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. but in actual fact they've all they've always got ulterior motives and behind closed doors certainly Mm -hmm. um you know they're pure evil oh yes you know just pure evil and very, very calculating. You I, know? Also, I also wonder, and I know this is kind of crazy, but I also wonder if they're demon possessed. <laughs> I don't know if you ever met someone so off the wall. Well, you're wondering um, that. Without, well, yeah. I mean, I won't go too far. I'm, I'm, I'm a very spiritual guy. I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, one of my best friends is. Um, he's well. He's 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 a he's Christian, um, and we've spoken into the long hours, the long wee hours, um, before he got he got injured. Um, so we can't really talk as much as we used to. But we used to talk about so his biblical knowledge, and my spiritual kind of beliefs and my my gaslighting Gilligan prism. And for him, the penny dropped in mid kind of September October, I think, twenty nineteen. And so that was great to have him. Um, to be able to talk to someone at last who got it, you know, and because that was two years after, mm-hmm. after I'd actually released Gaslight and Gilligan, he's actually he, he's he tells me he's actually had a seen somebody who's had a demonic experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I don't I don't write that off, I don't dismiss that because I would be a hypocrite because in my spiritual beliefs. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be able to just, you know, be- believe in what I do uh, without acknowledging his, you know, his experience, you know. So I know we go beyond this. I'm perfectly at ease with that. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But you can't rule it out, this this kind of, this demonic aspect. You can't rule it out. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't rubbish it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Because that's how they can come across, although they're very subtle with it. And that's what makes them so dangerous, mm-hmm. um, because they are pure evil. Now, the dark triad model itself, so under the, the you know, the, the Machiavellian, um, narcissistic and, and, and psychopathic, stroke sociopathic um, traits, um, for the model specifically that I developed, it was under three other propaganda which appeared unrelated mm-hmm. but they were they were related entirely and in uk we had brexit mm-hmm. we had austerity which i think had been in for been in, you know introduced for about eight years by that point um so you had this 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 deliberate deliberate policy driving um mess that was going on and basically making people destitute and actually depressing them Mm-hmm. Right, but also at the same time, and in the model, it's called the Istanbul Convention. Right, mm-hmm. the Istanbul Convention, don't know if you've heard of it, but it's mm-hmm. a UN initiative, right? And that was essentially basically feeding into the um, or overarching the overarching kind of UN policy, mm-hmm. um, that basically said that all, all men are evil and all women are victims. That, that was the that was the gist of it, basically. Um, and that all women needed protection, you know, in, in the West and, you know, in, in, in Africa and all this sort of stuff. 
But what it was actually doing, uh, so so you had the Brexit patriotism, so-called patriotism, austerity, driving mass depression, deprivation, destitution, and 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 de certainly deprivation of dignity, individual and collective dignity, right? But also at the same time, you had the Istanbul Convention and all that format that was actually being pushed out via media, which became it's not in the book by name because I brought, I put the book out before it came into being. So I put the book out in June, June 25th in 2017 via Berlin. Mm -hmm. I went to Berlin to do this. And in, in the October 2017, out came a construct called Me Too. All right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Istanbul Convention is Me Too. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the idea of that is to mass emasculate men, men who are already driven to destitution, who can't earn, who can't function as men, as, as men are supposed to function, as we've been told that men are supposed to function in society, but egged on, if you like, by this patriotic, patriotic construct called Brexit, these three aspects within the dark triad were amalgamating also themselves together. Mm -hmm. And in America, your construct specifically was the Trump presidency. So that make America great again and all this sort of what we would consider the conventional far right, conventional fascism. But as you're going to see throughout Gaslight and Gilligan, fascism is part of the indoctrination in that we've been led to believe it's purely a far right, um, you know, uh, ideology. But in actual fact, it's, it stretches across the Overton window from left to right. So what actually happens is, is behaviorally, mm -hmm. you can see these so-called liberals um, behaving much in the same way in the entitled, and, and, and I'll, I'll just read this out because there's a wee bit of a mouthful, but it's, it's like my interpretation of fascism, okay? So fascism steeped in pathological hypocrisy, superiority entitlement, an inveterate victimhood is a group characteristic extension of narcissism and is the Machiavellian patriotic, millerized, militarized business model extension of joint state government and corporate engineered crisis capitalism. Mm. And that pathological hypocrisy, superiority entitlement and inveterate victimhood stretches from left to right. It stretches across the Overton window, right? And you see this in where, where, and that's what the, 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 the propaganda construct does so well to make us clash emotionally and behaviorally is it gives everybody this moral, this superior moral justification for their own beliefs. Mm -hmm. But they're designed to clash with each other. Um, and so as a result of the dark triad, pushing these patriotic, austerity-driven, and Me Too behavioral, uh, Me Too propaganda behaviors. It drives what I the basically the drill down division of society, um, or individually and organizationally, into six emotional behavioral drivers, and they. They, they interlink, they are cells interlinked. Mm. 
And that is to essentially what they do is the, and, and bear in mind this is individually and organizationally, and it's psychological and physiological, right? That's, that's in the model. Um, and it's to invalidate, emasculate, so it's mainly targeted at men, uh, to isolate, agitate, and segregate, that's signpost um, minority groups, and, but also and to amalgamate. And the amalgamate aspect is the trigger, the amalgamate aspect. So we can have all these differences and we can be each other's throats with society being divided, but there's one trigger which is to amalgamate us all, and that was to be through war, because that's how this is this is all brought together to feed into the patriotism, but also recruit. And 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 suppose what I'm I'm coming on to there now um, is it through this amalgamation. So it's propaganda in general. So what that does is a process. Um, is emotionalize, irrational. So emotionalize, stroke, irrationalize. Right. So as soon as we're emotional, we we start behaving behaving irrationally. Right. Um, so emotionalize and irrationalize, and then moralize. Um, so you so your case for you, your 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 cause is suddenly the morally morally righteous cause, and that happens on the left, and that happens on the that happens across the board. Everybody thinks. If you've got the moral case or the common sense case for pursuing their ideology, mm-hmm. but all it is doing is driving us, you know, to 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 combat each other essentially, and then from there, from moralize, they patriotize, weaponize the emotions in preparation to militarize, and then mobilize, mobilize being global fascism, but they didn't get the trigger. They didn't get the trigger, which was supposed to come about in July 2017. Mm. Um, and what, what we're actually seeing, them they've been pursuing that for the last year or so in Ukraine um, in order to, uh, and, and also partially via Taiwan, uh, but also via Iran. And that is to essentially go to a nuclear escalation because the British state, narcissistic in the book need to be able to create a national emergency so does the us um but they need to blame blame an outside source they can't just declare a national emergency from within they need Define. to blame it out right they need to blame an outside source um and so that's why they would been they've been trying to get the us and uk specifically but eu e the eu institutions as well have been trying to um, escalate. They've been sending money and weapons uh, to into Ukraine in order they can justify the national emergency. Um, because what's happening in Ukraine or in Taiwan, if they got away with it, or in, in uh, you know Iran, stroke Israel, to chain reaction back is to be centered on Glasgow. Because in Glasgow, near Glasgow, I should say, sorry, about forty miles away is um, the uh, US-UK um, Trident nuclear submarine base. And that's where I interpret they were going to trigger the entire construct from in order to mobilize this thing. Hmm. But they were gonna do it in 2017. 
July 2017. And that's why I went to Berlin. That's where I released the book from. Um, that was my, I wrote a piece just very recently called Warning Berlin 2017, the missing um, German federal and Irish embassy recordings, because I managed to gain access to a German federal building uh, by speaking to two sentries, two German sentries who were outside who took me in um, and demanded to speak to the Irish embassy, which I did, and to warn them how it was going to be. And they were essentially going. So when you consider how vast Me Too is, okay, when you consider some of the other constructs, propaganda constructs that are out there, they were going to stage, at the time I believed they were actually going to do it, um, they were going to stage the sinking of a Trident nuclear submarine in the Clyde mm. and blame Iran. So the Clyde is the river that runs through Glasgow and they're going to blame Iran for doing that. Um, so I, because I was able to pick on that because that was, that was one of the other um, narratives that was being pushed. Again, they look unrelated, but they are entirely connected. And so what we would have is, um, upon that, is with all this agitation having been driven, agitation to part of the dark trial model, with all this having been, been driven, um, would be to create all these opposing groups that signposted the minorities. And upon the militarization trigger and his mobilization was about to get underway, and bearing in mind the British army I was in the British Army for 25 years, so I kind of know a bit of this sort of stuff. The British Army, with the population support, could initiate a deployment with the uh, with the support of the population, but it couldn't sustain it, even if it had the support of the population. It's just not big enough, mm -hmm. right? And that is where um, the Trump presidency would have come in. No, the Biden presidency, because it's the same... It's the same 1% construct, right, that are basically dividing the 99%. So at the time, the Trump presidency, so it was going to be um, initially Theresa May to make the, the, the phone call to Trump, but Boris Johnson was going to be installed, mm -hmm. right? And he was going to become a Churchillian, if you like, um, wartime prime minister. Mm -hmm. And that phone call to Trump would basically just say, can we have military help and, you know, e economic aid? Mm -hmm. And so what would have happened was, was this make-believe economic aid, which, by the way, are all of our um, vital infrastructure, um, you know, energy, water, um, not in Scotland, water is in Scotland isn't, but the energy certainly is. Um, it's all been privatised. It's all in corporate hands, right? And the NHS, they are trying so desperately to privatise. And that's certain, quite a lot of that is actually been privatised in England. But we've got a separate body in mm -hmm. Scotland, so our NHS hasn't been privatised. However, um, this construct, this mobilisation, would just basically write off any autonomy that Scotland had left. Mm -hmm. um, and so you would have military, you'd have US military troops, 
you'd have private military contractors on UK soil uh, and Ireland um, to help police the, the population. But in actual fact, it would be the beginnings of an irreversible totalitarianism, you know, mm -hmm. um, and so and and that's that's that would be that's that was Orwell. So Ireland and Britain were Orwell's airstrip one, mm. right? And so that's why. So the the the, the uh, Orwell doesn't tell you how the war started. You know, there's been a war mm -hmm. in 1984. It's still, it's all a rubble ruin and very, you know, as I say, it's destitute and like everybody's kind of depressed. Yeah, it was oh, a dismal book. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 uh, it's hard, you know, but so much more of it makes so, I mean, even the references now, um, if you're a man, you're the last man, your kind is extinct. Um, do you know that you are alone? You're outside of history. You want to exist, and this is what's this is part of the construct. Uh, and if you can separate a man from his past, you can separate him from his family, his mm -hmm. his, his his children, his friends, uh, something along those lines. The the warnings are there, um, and so for all of these reasons, mm -hmm. and certainly the airstrip one aspect is. It tells us what Gaslight and Gilligan does being the Atlantic Bridge to 1984. It tells you how the war, how the propaganda works, how it taps into the human condition, taps into the worst of us, but also taps into the best of us. Because when we become so morally righteous and we think our case is the righteous case, mm -hmm. um, there's no compromise anymore. Nobody's willing to compromise. Mm -hmm. And so you have this population at each other's throats for one reason or another um and but at the same time we're at war mm. and effectively and i know this is going to sound like world war three mm. and and we can see that over the last year certainly we can see this is just anybody can see it anybody with eyes can see it the us uk led by the us and uk and the um, that that cartel have been trying to get NATO into a war with Russia. Mm. They've been trying to get access into that war in order to declare the national emergencies, the domestic national emergencies they need, but also, um, yeah, start feeding men, and that's part of the the um, the, the the entire. You know, construct. So in World War One, you had something called the White Feather Women. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. So there was a suffragette movement, which slowly but surely began to build momentum. Um, at the beginning of the war, so in 1914, um, but by 1916, so what, what ended up being halfway through the war, they'd actually become quite militant. A certain groups of them have actually become clear. And, and sorry, the suffragettes were, were essentially, uh, because women weren't allowed to vote at that mm -hmm. point in time, but neither were working class men, but that's all kind of brought aside from, mm -hmm. from history. Um, unless, you, unless you were kind of gentry or you owned property, nobody had to vote. You know, if you were working class back then, nobody got the vote, right? 
But um, but certainly more men than women had it. But the suffragette movement came about because they basically wanted a vote. Absolutely, of course you did, right? But what ended up happening was was these suffragettes started becoming militant to the point where they were going, you know, smashing windows and you know creating havoc. And one of them actually went under the king's horse, I think, at one of the race meetings. Um, you know, to, to as, as a protest, and she, she got killed. Mm. Um, but one of the things that they were allowed to do, they were permission to do, was to walk up to a young man of fighting age. If he wasn't in military uniform, so he was in civilian dress, and pin a white feather on him as a, as a sign of cowardice, and tell him to go and join up, you coward. You know? Mm-hmm. And so th- that's and that's what we're experiencing today. So the use of gender, the use of gender roles and stereotypes, um, and shaming, shaming men mm-hmm. into military uniform is precedented, right? It's been done. Okay. And it was done, it was done throughout the British Empire, actually. Mm-hmm. Um certainly, you know, in in, in Britain in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. Um, Fast forward to World War II, and what's a little bit hazy, but I'm able to, so there's there's an activist called Camille Padlia, and I've seen some of her stuff, but even her stuff's hard to, in fact, some of the YouTube clips I had of her her stuff stored um, has, has been erased from YouTube. You know, so, but I was able to catch some of her stuff, and and and, and she's basically saying that there was a, a, um, like a, um, kind of significant LGBT kind of movement, bohemian movement, um, in what was Weimar Germany moving into what became Nazi Germany, mm. um, and so you've had the construct there. The austerity aspect that we've been experiencing in 2008, the driven poverty, the state, you know, government and corporate driven poverty, um, the, 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 the presence for that was called the Versailles Treaty. I, this is my interpretation, but I mean, it did drive destitution, it did drive depression because everything that, because essentially the Versailles Treaty pinned the blame on Germany for starting World War I. And so the reparations from that to the Allied powers that they had to pay back was essentially taking everything out of Germany in terms of its economy. It was just um, driving it to failure. Mm-hmm. And so I, the seeds, and this, this is not my interpretation, the seeds of World War II were actually in the Versailles Treaty, part, partially in the Versailles Treaty because of the poverty that it, that it, that it drove. Mm-hmm. Um, and poverty is one of the key factors of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as in domestic abuse, as we know it classically, um, which which itself has been erased um, because the Duluth model um, basically says, you know, you know, the same thing again, all men, uh, bastards, all yeah. women, you know, innocent, you know, type of thing. Um, so these um, narratives have already been there. They were there in World War One. They were there in World War Two. Um, and so the reason, actually, that I went to Berlin to warn them what I, of what I could see was coming, because I, in fact, 
wasn't until the January, so picked up on the construct, had that TV PTSD moment, 12th of September, 2016. By the December, November, December, I was beginning to accept there was a pattern. Mm. I went and visited my daughter for Christmas, you know, my, my daughter and granddaughters for Christmas, uh, December 2016. Um, and I spoke to her and, I, you know, am I going off my rocker here? Am I losing it? She just said, just trust your intuition, which I've always done. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was different level. You know, this was just this thing, this is construct, you know, how can this be real? Um and and the thing was, I was thought I was actually still writing Gaslighting Gilligan in its original format of my experiences of gaslighting, mm-hmm. but also researching and monitoring all these propaganda constructs. So I was doing the two things at the one point. And then in, in January 2017, I was just sat there and I blurted it out. And I just said to myself, You're writing the wrong book, mate. Mm. Because I was still writing my experiences. And I thought I need to be writing this book. Mm-hmm. I need to be right. So the title was the title was still Gaslight Gilligan because it was perfect. Um even if I just say it's all myself. And uh, <laughs> uh and 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 essentially um mm. I began January 2017 in creating this this imaginary dystopian fiction. But like all dystopian fiction, mm-hmm. it's housed in reality. Um, to create narcissistic, to create the dark triad, to create the prison. You know, you've heard people talk about the prison industrial complex and the military industrial complex. Well, what I've done is I've created the prison military industrial complex. It's the mm-hmm. same loop. It's the same cycles. Because there's a lot of profit to be had in human misery. Oh, you create yes. human misery and... When you emotionalize, you are rationalized. When people are, they're, they're easily, more easily manipulated. Um, and so, by through this misery, through this, this, this demonization, you know, going back to the men, the demonization of men, and, and what the suffragettes did, and what happened in Weimar Germany moving to Nazi Germany, was it made men who own the key to the streets, by the way, domestically. Mm-hmm more susceptible to suggestion and to state and societal subservience. Mm-hmm. So to just fall in line, do as you're told, or either go to prison. And and essentially, um, yeah, so I began creating these, these imaginary states. So just as an early... I had to catch myself there because I nearly compared myself to <laughs> Orwell, and I don't mean to do that. But just as Orwell created Airstrip One for mm-hmm. 1984, I created Narcissate for Gaslight and Gilligan. Mm-hmm. Gilligan, by the way, so back in 2017, I mean, if you were to do a search, I don't know how you would do it, um, but you will barely see the term gaslighting on Twitter or in media or because it was a very low key, it was barely known about as a concept. Right. Barely known as a concept in terms of domestic abuse, as we know it, and not known whatsoever in terms of media and political manipulation. Right. That's what Gaslighting Gilligan has done, is, is helped bring that to the fore. Gilligan, by the way, 
um, comes from, so there's a Scottish band called uh, Biffy Clyro, mm. um, and they wrote a song called Many of Horror. And as I interpret it, that is about an abusive relationship. So the guy that wrote it, uh, as I interpret it, is about an abusive relationship. And in there, there's, there's, a, there's a verse that says, sitting in a wishing hole, hoping it stays dry, feet cast in solid stone, I've got Gilligan's eyes. And Gilligan, I believe, um, well, as I interpret it, stroke believe, um, they took from Gilligan's Island, which is this kind of, you know, a 50s, 60s American family, family Mm kind of, you know, show. But Gilligan's incredibly naive. um, And he goes, he has this Pollyanna prison where he just looks at everything so carefully Mm -hmm. in order to make sure that his world doesn't doesn't interfere with. He's got this perfect kind of, life but mm-hmm. it's not there there are undertones which if, if he were to address he wouldn't life wouldn't be so comfortable for him um and this is what we've got to we're all gilligan because we're we're refusing to acknowledge we don't we first off we didn't know we were being gaslighted mm-hmm. um but the gilligan aspect is us trying to maintain our biases to try and maintain our core beliefs, which have all been indoctrinated by and large, certainly, certainly within the British state. I mean, that's why I joined the army and stayed in for 20, part of the reason why I joined the army and stayed in for 25 years, because a lot of Scots history has been erased. Mm. And one of the real, is, um, we, had a, we had a referendum in 2014, a referendum, it was a mm. propaganda war, um, whereby Scotland, you know, could vote for its, uh, its independence. And we were defeated. We were told we were defeated. Um, I don't buy that for a minute, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I campaigned during that for independence. Um, and uh, that was part of this journey. In fact, a lot of a lot of things have been part of this journey moving forward um, mm-hmm. to, to towards Gaslight and Gilligan. There are so many aspects. So in Britain right now, in Scotland and Wales, the media is controlled from London, essentially. It's called controlled from England. Um, it's controlled by corporates, corporate media, BBC uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is nothing. So there's something called Gleichaltung, which the Nazis had. And um, I've written a piece a while back. So, and I, I saw it was one of the narratives at the time. Um, so essentially, it's the, the, the economy, the coordination, right? So the Nazis, the Nazis called it uh, Gleichschaltung, which basically means it's two, two what's called same circuit, right? Same circuit. And it's a synchronization, a coordination of well, what, the, the, what we call you know, Nazism or the Nazification, mm-hmm. the Nazification of Germany. What we've got going on now is the Britification of Britain, the, 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 certainly of Scotland and of Wales in particular, mm-hmm. right? And essentially by owning everything, the, the, the economy, trade associations, uh, media, uh, culture and education and sport as well. The sport isn't in the kind of Wikipedia, Wikipedia um, definition of Glyde Shelton, but it's, all, it's definitely sport as well. Mm-hmm. Whereby, and so what they do is they by owning all of these things, 
Um, they, and, and I mean, every ad, every second ad near enough third ad that we get is always a British, British, British reference in it. Um, in our supermarkets, there's union flags everywhere. It's just, it is Nazi, well, it's, 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 it's in fascist Britain. That's mm -hmm. what it is. But if your prism is such that you worship that flag, then you see that as patriotism. Whereas those of us that don't, so I, I, I they call me a separatist, mm -hmm. but I just want self-autonomy for Scotland. You know, who, who doesn't want self-autonomy for their own country? Um, well, but Gleishampton has been going on for since, since forever, really. Mm -hmm. well, you know, where Scotland and Wales are concerned, certainly, because they needed to erase our history mm -hmm. um, and everything that had gone on before in order to recycle. And this is where we come, can come back to the, the, the suffragettes and the Me Too movement. Um, because they have to erase certain aspects of what they've done in order to play the same, replay the same playbook mm -hmm. time and again. And that's the thing. I mean, there is nothing in Gaslight and Gilligan that hasn't already been done before, but you can't see happening now in front of your eyes mm -hmm. and, and to tie them together. I just put it in a fictional setting. Oh, by the way, so America is ignore land. Um, Ignore Land was a is an REM, a big REM fan. Um, oh, yeah. My boys. Uh -huh. And um, they 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 wrote and, and that's the thing. I'm not hundred percent sure it is actually about America. But anyway, I, I perceived for a long time um, that it was about America. Um, so I called it the, the US Ignore Land. Um, Australia was Osnatraz. Um Osnatraz is uh, Tongue and cheek on that, so it's got the the sound of a prison, obviously Alcatraz. Right. Um, but but I say it's tongue in cheek. Um, so Osnatraz was the nickname. Um, so Osnabrück in Germany um, um, was called because the, the married quarter areas weren't that great. Um, it had the nickname Osnatraz, um, but Osnatraz is Australia as well. Mm. And uh, even though I use the um, um, I say it's tongue in cheek, and that's where I got that name from, that, 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 because Oz, Australia, and then I was in the trans. Um, these are prison constructs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The British construct, the US construct, Australia, New Zealand as well, but to a, a lesser degree, uh, because at least they've at least they've consciously tried to recognise their indigenous populations, and I go into that in the book as well. And Canada, certainly as bad as the US, um, all built on genocide, all created in genocide. And so my fictitious, so it's the five eyes. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. So mm -hmm. the five eyes, is that, and that's not my, um, that, that, that's an actual official term. This is what the, so it's led by the US and UK. So US, UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So what it is, is the, um, essentially the white um, British, English, um, former colonies. Um, and the Five Eyes is the intelligence groupings or the official, and they call themselves this. This is what they titled themselves, the Five Eyes. And it's the intelligence apparatus 
um, that essentially owns, runs our media and gives us all the same stories and, you know, all the same kind of narratives. And that's why the world seems so, in terms of its of our reality, um, it's, it's just so um, false. It's so, that, that, because there's, there's barely any difference in the narratives. They're all pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. And and it's through that lack of diversity in those narratives that you can know how orchestrated it is on a global scale. Mm -hmm. You know, you just got to be able to, um, you know, perceive things in a slightly different way, in a gaslighting Gilligan way, um, because it's not a coincidence that Trump and Brexit, the Trump presidency and Brexit happened at the same time. It's not a coincidence that the gender, what I called in the book, the gender agenda construct in the Istanbul Convention before it became Me Too, um, all happened at the same time. It's not a coincidence, the LGBT aspect, which, so when you had, you know, the, the, the female groups, the, the, the feminist groups, basically saying, um, you know, men are destroying, men are killing us, men, is, men are murdering us in our homes, and they were getting empowered, feeling empowered because feelings that's the thing in our world feelings trump facts mm. people don't care for facts if they impinge on their feelings their feelings are more important to them and this is what we've got to learn to 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 um to suppress not suppress but to acknowledge mm -hmm. you know because you can't you can't suppress your feelings um and and so just as all the women were, were were being empowered, but at the same time, as they were being empowered, at the same time, they were being portrayed as victims, and so they started behaving as victims. And and in and victimhood, by the way, is a shortcut. It's a um, it's not a legitimate shortcut, but it is a shortcut nonetheless to moral rectitude, to the, to to believing that they have the moral high ground, and therefore. As soon as people have the moral superiority, mm. they're they're uncompromising. What they didn't realize, though, the women who were um, most engaged in this and who were taken most by it, the LGBT, and specifically the transgender um, narrative, was starting to slowly but surely build up, you know, ahead of steam to the point now. Uh, where we've got, you know, this, tra uh, you know, trans. Now we've got transphobia. I mean, it's just, it's it's an entirely manufactured construct mm -hmm. in Scotland. Um, and here we, you know, we have to understand. Um, I support independence, mm -hmm. Scottish independence. Our principal, you know, party for Scottish independence is called the Scottish National Party. Um, I am a Scottish National Party member. I want independence for my country. I want self-autonomy for my country. Problem is, and it took me probably until, well, till last year for definite. But because, as I've said before, the fascist construct, as we know it, we believe it. You know, we were always led to believe it's far right. It's not. It's, it's, it's a total enveloping of your reality. And so when you have these liberal 
left type groups pushing all these leftist LGBT agendas as such. They're, not, they're part of the construct. They are what Orwell called the party. Mm-hmm. They are just one unit who pretend to argue with each other, pretend to oppose each other in certain ideologies, but, and as Goebbels said, uh, a media system wants an ostensible diversity which conceals an actual uniformity, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, so we believe it's, you know, there are counter-narratives, narratives and counter-narratives that are, you know, legitimate, legitimately opposing each other, but it's all coming from the same 1% construct down. And that's the same in politics. Um, there are so many people, um, certainly in England, that are on to the Starmer version of Labour. They ousted Jeremy Corbyn um, through the course of two general elections and got rid of him. Um, the SNP, of which I'm a member, the SNP has been thoroughly infiltrated. Absolutely no two ways about it. Um, when we were on the cusp, if you like, of, of, of surging, you know, this er- irreversible surge towards um, independence. They then introduced the LGBT stuff. And then what that did was divided the independence movement, fractured us into, you know, to, into separate groups, but also the LGBT aspect um, divided the women. So whilst the women were all being empowered, mm-hmm. the female demographic was all being empowered, or felt like they were being empowered and felt like they were victims, the LGBT construct started to come in and then started dividing them. So these there's these cells, cells interlinked within cells that keep... Um, I've seen a, um, an interesting film. Um, there's a lot of symbolism, by the way, in these mm-hmm. things, and some of which is in the book, a film called Annihilation. Um, and then there's an interesting work called um, Autophagy. And it's essentially um, living... Um, animals, uh, animals certainly, I'm not, not so sure about uh, plants, but anyway, um, when there's a useless cell or um, potentially a harmless cell, um, sorry, a potentially harmful cell, what will happen is it will create a, a, another cell to go and attack either what's useless and destroy what's useless or what's harmful. Um, and that's essentially what happens. So narratives, these cells are created and it's cells interlinked within cells, which is from um, Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner, uh, 2049, I think it's oh, called. Oh, yeah, right. Um, if, if I were to, honestly, um, I, won't go to, I won't go into it all, but watch Children of Men. If you can get it over there, mm-hmm. I think it came out. Um, there is so much symbolism in that film, Children of Men. And if I can give you an example... So when uh, Theo goes to meet his friend, um, he's an art critic, if, if I remember rightly, his friend. Um, Theo's got contacts, but he needs to go and see his friend to get passports for, for uh, Key, who's having his child. Mm-hmm. Has not been, there's not been a child born in it's 18 right. years or something at that, that point. And she's about to have this, this child. So they're trying to smuggle her out. Um, and when they're sat having a meal, um, I forget the name of the art critic, but he he's 
shouting at his son, Alex. Right. And his son, Alex, is on this kind of new distracting social media, you know, game, just totally distracted, you know, as a lot of kids are these days. And he shouts at him to take his pills. Mm. Okay. Um, and he shouts at him a couple of a couple of times to take his pills. Alex, by my interpretation, and that little scene, take your pills, Alex, as he's distracted with his his um his phone and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, playing a game on it. I think Alex is an abbreviation because of of Aldous Huxley. Al, Al so you've got the X, Alex, right? And the that's a metaphor. That scene is a metaphor, a tribute, if you like. Um, because Aldous Huxley wrote about the use of pharma, pharmaceuticals to control society uh, and mm-hmm. distract media to distract. So I think that's a little kind of dark, dark yeah. triad homage, if you like, mm-hmm. to Aldous Huxley specifically. Um, some of the symbolism you would not honestly I'm have to rewatch that. I saw it a long time ago. I'm going to have to rewatch that. There's also another line, we'll do that, right? And there's also another line in it. Um, and I made, and that's the thing, because I was onto this back then, so I made reference to Children of children of Men in the book, um, to various films, World War Z. Mm-hmm. You know, I've made, made reference to, to various films. Oh, by the way, World War Z, another cracking um, symbolic interpretation. Um, because when you understand, when you can, when you can process and accept, and we will, because it's the truth, that something as vast as me too can made, be made real over the course of decades. Um, then you understand how much our entertainment, our news, and our entertainment industry is dominated um, by these corporates, um, who. Yeah, are basically having you know, bit of fun of a bit of fun at our expense as well. Um, mm. So yeah, so one of the lines in um, Children of Men, just before they get ambushed, uh, is you can hear a DJ on the radio saying, "Oh, it's some I can't remember it verbatim, but it's just something along the lines of." And uh, here's a tune which will take us back to 2003 when the future was just around the corner. And that, I interpret, is a reference to the illegal invasion of Iraq in 2003. So that tyranny, that that illegal war that the US and UK led in Iraq, um, that tyranny was always going to be visited back, domestically back in the US and UK itself, um, when the future was just around the corner. Mm. And when you can understand that, you know, Iraq was, um, I mean, uh, we know that Iraq had nothing to do with it. Oh, I don't know if I can say that one. I'm sure I can, actually, because I've seen plenty of it. Um, 9-11. Um, mm. Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. I mean, it's just fact. But they use the emotion of that. And here we go. So, and the amounts of the dark triad model and the amalgamate cell, which is interlinked with all the others, um, and the amalgamate cell emotionalize, irrationalize, 
moralize, patriotize, weaponize, militarize, and mobilize. They went to war. Mm -hmm. So by portraying themselves as victims of Iraq, they went and murdered, displaced a million people. You know, by blaming a country that had, had nothing to do with 9-11. Um, why? Because they wanted in there for its for its oil predominantly. Mm. You know, um, this isn't conjecture. This is this, we we know this now. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where I think that line comes from, uh, or what's 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 motivated that line, um, is that um this tune will take you back to 2003 when the future was just around the corner. We were actually the fascist construct back then. But because we had the morally righteous case, we thought we had the morally righteous case. Mm -hmm. We perceived it as being a patriotic self-defense, mm -hmm. you know, of our interests. And um, so, yeah, um, I, I I could talk about this. And we're going to, because <laughs> I want to have you back on because that was fascinating. And I, I think, uh, and your book is fascinating as well. When people make sense of it, I mean, it's already making a difference and it has done since 2017. Mm -hmm. um, when people make sense of it, they will understand the shift that's about to happen. They will see the shift that's about to happen. The shift has already taken place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on a global scale. And I, 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 I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That's... Mm -hmm. It's just me being objective. Well, definitely. Um, you know, how can people reach you if they have any questions? Yeah, so um, you can just go to gaslightinggilligan.com um, and you can download some of the books. Uh, probably should have shared this at the top, really. Um, the book's free. It's a free download. Um, it's just in a basic PDF format. Um, and... You can, as you say, you can down, download it from there. Uh, there is a donate button, so if people want to to, to help, you know, um, help buy me a coffee or rather buy me a beer and a, or a whiskey. Oh yeah. Um, then uh, then yeah, please please donate. Um, but it's a free. There's no obligation. It's a free download, um, and you can contact. There's a contact form in there, and you know, I can be emailed through that. Um, yeah. So gaslightinggillingham.com, Twitter and Facebook. Um, are suppressing uh, all my material, always have done. Um, however, um, yeah, and so I rely on people actually sharing my links. It's the only time I get any decent numbers to the site is when other people share my links because their accounts aren't being suppressed as mine is, as mm -hmm. mine are. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'd, um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm grateful you've had me on. And, um, yeah. It's um, fascinating conversation especially with the book 1984 as well which i read in high school and then i was depressed after that <laughs> you know so. uh, yeah yeah and um the, the 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 last line was it something like he's all and it was after all it was all for nothing yeah i, I think he was actually writing about the book hmm. i think he thought that the totalitarian totalitarianism was inevitable hmm. and to a degree it was um, but I think he was so, um, oh, what's the word, pessimistic 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I actually think that the story he's talking about, the story he wrote right or at was, the end. Or was he a realist? That's just my interpretation. Yeah. So I think, yeah, 1984, that last line, and it was all for nothing or something along those lines. Um, or, you know, or was he a realist? You know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're called, yeah, exactly. We're, 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 you know, anybody who is a realist, a lot of the time they're called a pessimist. I know, cynical. yeah. I... <laughs> you know, yeah. So anyway, um, oh, but that would be for another um, another, another um, podcast. If you oh, yes, definitely. We will talk again, but hey, don't jump off. Uh, Slam the Gavels, a podcast, how the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and book three coming out in possibly June, Raised by These Wolves. Join us again here with Johnny McNeil in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you so very much, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Marianne. Cheers. Cheers.